When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Happy Wednesday to one and all. It is MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. We've got a tremendous show for you today. Jill Gallant of Odd Shark is going to be joining me in the second segment. In the final segment, we give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas baseball betting board. And that is going to be coming up in a little something I like to call touch them all. But first, I had a very good question that was asked to me on the Twitterverse yesterday, and I've got to give you guys an answer on it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. As many of you guys know, I wound up fading Chris Sale on Tuesday, and that was very, very profitable as the Toronto Blue Jays were able to cash that ticket. And something that was asked to me on Twitter by a couple people is, who are some pitchers I like to fade? And right now, Chris Sale is one of them. In general, pitchers I like to fade are guys that you're noticing with dipping velocity. We really noticed that with Chris Sale. His fastball is not what it once was. That is a very obvious one. Homer Bailey. You just fade him every time he takes a mount. He's 1-21 in his last 22 starts. I mentioned this guy as well, Shelby Miller. He has been absolutely awful. 
He is right now pitching for the Texas Rangers, and he's off doing a very good job of it. Anytime you see Fernando Rodney go into the game for the Oakland A's, obviously you can't take that pre-flop, but whenever you see him enter, and if you're live betting, you probably want to take the other side. So that's another. And then in general, I think that whenever you have an ace on the mound like a Max Scherzer and they're laying a big price. You either have to go run line or fade. That is a angle I've been playing as well just because with some of those starters, you're going to be laying a very, very big premium. It's one of those situations where I really think that you've got to do one or the other just because the juice when you're laying $2 is way too much. And then another pitcher that I'm probably going to look to fade when he comes back is Luis Severino. Obviously, he's not on the bump right now for the Yankees. He's on the injured list, but he's another one. And then there's a guy on the Cubs that's pitching today. Yes, that is a tease. I will not say who it is quite yet, but in the final segment, I'll be fading a certain Cubs pitcher today. He is certainly on that list. Chris Archer, as you guys know, also on that list just because even though he typically gives you a quality start, he just uses so many pitchers that it leads to the bullpen needing to be used a lot. And we know just how unreliable bullpens are. And starters in general that don't give you a lot of innings are guys that you might want to look to fade. These guys that typically don't go five innings unless you've got a good bullpen. Unless you've got a good bullpen like the Tampa Bay Rays, obviously. I would even go with the San Francisco Giants as being a good bullpen. Teams like that. Those are guys that you want to fade as well. So that's my list of specifics and things that I look for as well. And then another question I got. This is a little bit of an easier one. What sites do I look at for baseball stats? I go to baseball reference, team rankings, and also fan graphs. All three of these sites provide a little bit of something different. You're able to get more historical facts on baseball reference, how guys have done in the past, fielding independent, everything like that. Fan graphs, you're able to get into the really nerdy saber metrics like what a guy does on a 1-2 slider and everything like that. You were able to go really far in depth. And then with team rankings, you're able to see like the strikeouts per nine innings that a team has, the amount of runs per game that is different from what a team wins versus loses, everything like that. I'm sure that baseball reference provides that as well, but I like to be able to split it up a little bit more in that regard. I recommend all three of those sites. And something else I recommend in baseball overs right now as we get into a little bit of a look at some of the trends I'm looking to back. What trends should you pay attention to? Well, Greg is going to tell you what he has on the black. Overs in baseball yesterday were 10-4 and four, and there's one game going on as I do this broadcast as the Brewers and the Angels are tied 8-8. Eight to eight. Just like you in behind the curtain so that you guys know what time I'm recording this is. Currently in the top of sixth inning. Obviously the over is going to cash. We have no idea about the Brewers. I'm on them, but my goodness. These unders that you're taking are not safe at all. We saw it in the Houston Astros versus the New York Yankees game. Yankees were up 3-2 to two going into the bottom of the seventh. And then Jose Altuve was really able to lift this team. He was able to hit a home run in the third inning. That put him up 2-1. to one. He had a sack fly as well. That made the score 6-3 to three and gave you the over if you were on the over of 8.5. And, and for the New York Yankees, Jonathan Luizaga got a little bit roughed up in his start. He only won three innings. And that caused the bullpen to really have to go deep. Luis Cecil was able to give them a good outing. Jonathan Holder once again gave up a run, but the guy that really got shelved for the New York Yankees, and you have to really have questions with him, is Chad Green. He gave up three runs and two-thirds of an inning of work. Obviously not a good situation. For the Yankees, you have to like that Luke Voigt hit a home run his third of the year, but feels like the Astros' bats are really starting to come alive, so that's something that 
you'd like to see. It seems as though the Atlanta Braves are starting to get going as well. They were able to just completely shellac the struggling Colorado Rockies by a count of 7-1. Rockies bats not really getting the job done. You've got Nolan Arenado, who's currently hitting 277. He's not really hitting for the power that we noticed in recent years, though. Ramel Tapia is hitting just above the Mendoza line. Ian Desmond is hitting a buck fifty. Trevor Story, 209. There are so many guys that are just not producing for this team. Hey, our good buddy out there in the infield, Garrett Hampson, he got his average up to 100. But man, for the Atlanta Braves, things have been going really well. Dansby Swanson and Ronald Acuna Jr. both went deep in this game. That was their fourth home run of the year. Freddie Freeman is hitting 400. Ozzie Albies is hitting 364. So really got to like what you're seeing out of them. The Seattle Mariners run line continues to come through. They actually played a rare under in this game, won the few on this day, but Marco Gonzalez is a pitcher that you've really got to be looking to back. He is now 4-0. He wound up giving up two runs in six innings of work, and then from there, the bullpen was able to get the job done. For the Kansas City Royals, you do like the fact that Whit Merrifield was able to get his second triple of the year, but for the Seattle Mariners, going deep in this one was Jay Bruce, his seventh of the year. This team has so much power with Edwin Encarnacion, Daniel Vogelbach, Mitch Haniger, Ryan Healy, Omar Devaris. The Mariners are just the best story out there in baseball right now as they are currently out to an 11-2 start, and they have no signs of looking back. If you were like me and you had the Arizona Diamondbacks, this one was never a doubt as they entered into the ninth inning down by a count of 4-2 and they wound up getting three runs including a walk-off home run by Gerard Dyson who has been absolutely sensational for this team so far this year. He went into pinch hit and he was able to hit that dinger. He's now hitting 350 on the year and this is an Arizona Diamondbacks team in general that is hitting really well. Just like you went behind the curtain Mike Farron who actually does some studio work for the Arizona Diamondbacks is going to be joining me in tomorrow's podcast so we'll get into this a little bit more. But Dean Peralta hitting really well for this team. Christian Walker has been a nice find for them. Adam Jones has come over. And then for the Texas Rangers, Mike Miner actually gave them a good start. Won seven innings, gave up two runs. He has a 386 ERA. He's been very good for this team. And the guy that you're going to note because I already recorded my edition of Touch Em All. I mentioned how good Jose LeClerc was at being able to close out games. Well, he gives up three runs and one-third of an inning in this one, so a little bit of egg on the face there. But I will say, for the Texas Rangers, Sin Chu Chu doing a good job. He was able to have a pair of doubles in this game. Elvis Andrews hitting just below 500. But they do have a couple too many all-or-nothing guys like Joey Gallo and Noah Mazzara. And then one of the other unders on this day was the LA Dodgers, who I feel like has one of the best lineups in baseball. They were able to get seven hits, but they were all scattered as they left 13 men on base against the St. Louis Cardinals, who got the job done by a count of 4-0. to zero. Paul Goldschmidt not hitting for average. He is currently hitting just a buck 95, but he was able to get his sixth home run of the year. Yadier Molina seems to be busting out. He was able to hit a pair of doubles in this game. He's now back above the Mendoza line. Dexter Fowler not getting the job done, but gotta like the way that the Cardinals are coming alive. Speaking of games that were never in doubt, how about if you had the Washington Nationals, who were down 6-1 at one point against Philadelphia Phillies. They wind up winning the game by a count of 10-6, and the big hero in this one was Victor Robles. With two outs and two strikes in the top of the ninth, he's able to strike for his third home run of the year. And then from there, Juan Soto hits a three-run bomb in the tenth as the Washington Nationals get the job done. Both these teams just have bad bullpens. you got to be looking at a lot of overs when you're taking the Nationals and the Phillies. For the Phillies, Aaron Nola got touched up. He gave up five runs, four of which were earned in his start. But it is one of those things with pretty much all these teams out there in the analyst. It even holds true for a team like the Mets. The bullpen play just is not good. And speaking of the Mets, how about Jacob deGrom getting just completely shelled by the Minnesota Twins. The Twins were able to get a convincing 14-8 win in this one. Jacob deGrom was hit early and often. 
He entered into this game not having allowed a single run in his start so far this year. He gave up six in four innings. Just absolutely insane. And then you had Jason Vargas give up four runs in the ninth inning just before lighter fluid on it. And the Mets themselves actually hit for some power in this game. They were able to put up an eight spot. Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, and Pete Alonso all went yard with Pete Alonso getting two home runs in this game. So you got to like what you're seeing about the Mets bats, but... How about the power being supplied by the Minnesota Twins? Eddie Rosario was able to go deep for his second home run of the year. Jonathan Scope, who had been struggling ever since he was acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers, he hit two home runs in this one. Jorge Polanco is now hitting above 400. He went deep in this game for his second home run of the year. But then the guy that actually got this thing started was Mitch Garver, who is now hitting over 400. He was able to supply a home run. He had four hits in this game. It was just a complete hit parade for the Minnesota Twins. Oh, by the way, are 6-3, and three, and they're currently in competition for the top spot in the AL Central along with Cleveland Indians as they were able to get their bats going. They won their game against the Detroit Tigers by a count of 8-2. Corey Kluber looked a little bit better in this start. He gave up two runs, but only one of which was earned in six innings. And then from there, Daniel Otero was able to do a very good job in the seventh inning. I like him coming out the pen and then John Edwards was able to do a nice job in the ninth as well for the Cleveland Indians but Leonis Martin getting a home run was absolutely huge for his first of the year and then they got some unlikely sources of power as Roberto Perez was able to hit his first home run of the year that's something that you like to see Jake Bowers was able to go yard his first of the year he had really been a struggling bat and then Brad Miller a guy that had really been struggling in the infield also went deep as Jordan Zimmerman his good start to the year really came to an end right there, and the Chicago White Sox just continued to get shellacked. I had a feeling that this was not going to be a good outing for Irvin Santana, and I was right. Seven earned runs in 3.2 innings. And the Chicago White Sox, as we know, do not have a very good bullpen. Currently, with an ERA of 13.5, it's Jace Fry coming out of the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays actually got slapped around a little bit as well. Their bullpen wasn't as good as we're used to seeing. But in this game, Charlie Morton was able to go five innings. He gave up two runs. He had three walks. He had a little bit of command issues. But they were still able to get the job done regardless. Tampa Bay Rays now 9-3. and Got to be looking at them as a bet on team. And hey, maybe the Cincinnati Reds have found something. They just completely lambasted the Miami Marlins 14-0. Luis Castillo, tremendous start. 7 Innings only gave up two hits, eight Ks. He now has a 0.92 ERA on the year, and it was a hit parade for the Cincinnati Reds. Matt Kemp goes yard for his first home run of the year. Eugenio Suarez goes deep for his second of the year. Jesse Winkler had his first home run of the year. I think the ball boy had a home run as well. Shebler was able to go deep for his second home run of the year. It was just a little bit of everything for the Cincinnati Reds as at one point they had back-to-back-to-back Jackson. Jose Urania. He is not looking like a good starter right now. Five innings pitch, four earned. He's currently got an ERA above nine. And Wei Young Chen, who came out of the bullpen, gave up, I kid you not, 10 runs in two innings. His ERA is a 24.75. The Marlins bats still have not woken up either. They had only four hits in this game. And something else that was very intriguing, the Blue Jays got to Chris Sale, one of those pitchers I mentioned that you can't bet on. He just had a really, really rough day. In four innings pitch, he gave up five runs, and he allowed Lords Guriel to be able to steal home. That is just absolutely inexcusable right there as the Toronto Blue Jays were struggling going into this game, but Freddie Galvis was not, and he was able to hit two RBI. He's now batting 333. He and Urania are the only two guys in the lineup on this day that were hitting above 220, so 
absolutely amazing that the Blue Jays were able to get the job done. And you got to give some credit to Matt Shoemaker, though he gave up four runs, only two of which were earned. He is now 3-0 and on the year, and Ken Giles has been doing a good job out there in the bullpen as well along with Tim Meza, who's been able to get a couple holds for this team so far this year. It's been a very intriguing day in baseball, to say the least. I think the Braves are becoming a bet-on team. you got to continue to bet on the Mariners. The Houston Astros bats are coming alive. The Arizona Diamondbacks keep things going. And then the Unders in the San Francisco Giants at San Diego Padres have been good so far this year, but they were not on Tuesday as the Giants were able to get the job done by a count of 7-2. Perhaps this is exactly what they needed to get going because Evan Longoria was able to get an RBI. He's still hitting a buck 82, but maybe he's starting to come around. Kevin Pillar was able to drive in four runs. He's only hitting a buck 28, but that was obviously good for his confidence. Derek Holland was able to go seven strong innings. He had nine punchouts in this game, only gave up one run. And with the Giants, you know that their bullpen is there. Joey Lucchese just had a bad outing. Four innings pitch, seven earned runs. He's a good pitcher, but sometimes he lends himself a little bit too much of hard contact, and that's exactly what happened there. Though you got like that Robbie Erlin was able to come in for the San Diego Padres, and he gave them three shutout innings. That's a little bit of something to watch out for. You got to like the way that the Indians are rounding into form. And hey, taking plus prices with the Blue Jays right now, proving to be very profitable as well. And the Tampa Bay Rays continue to be a money printing machine. So those were my big takeaways from Tuesday, and those are some of the trends that I'm looking for in baseball right now. Obviously, it was an exciting Tuesday, but now we've got to turn the page forward to today and helping me break down today's matchups and taking a look at baseball in general is Jill Gallant of Odd Shark, and that is next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We're back here in the Azuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Great pleasure to be joined by our next guest. He joined me once before on College Hoops Overtime Betting. This gentleman does a little bit of everything for Odd Shark. He does some NBA, NFL, college basketball. Now he's diving into the baseball world as well. You can follow him on Twitter at GDog5000. And dog is spelled D-A-W-G because he's down like the kids. And then the number 5,000. It is Jill Gallant joining me. And Jill, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing awesome, Greg. Thanks for having me back again. Great to have you on. And first things first, what have you been noticing in regards to baseball this year in regards to totals? Because I can tell you my big takeaway so far has been first five unders have actually done quite well, but we're noticing that these bullpens are just complete gas cans at this point and overs for the game seem to be actually doing quite well. Yeah, I was going to actually mention that. Uh, first fives I try to stick, stay clear from because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to take advantage of the shoddy bullpens like right now a majority of teams like uh right now the mendoza line right now is about 3.75 for bullpens and right now majority of them are at four or more there's some of the teams that i wouldn't even have thought that would have this bad of a bullpen like washington right now has an era of over 10 um arizona you know of course like the some of the uh outliers like normal like baltimore and kansas city but like the cubs like i didn't realize how bad their bullpen was going to be even the dodgers as much as they're smashing the ball their bullpen has not been that great either this year. I feel like there's a lot of uh, opportunity to take just totals, basically anything over eight at this point. I feel like it's free money. I am right there with you. I've been playing a lot more overs this year than last year. And is it just me or does it feel like the totals have actually been set lower this year than last year, which makes no sense because I feel like we're seeing more runs this year because it's not necessarily these guys mashing the ball or anything like that. It's just these bullpens giving away free passes and just not being able to close out games. 
Well, especially because like the usual suspects like the Max Scherzers, the DeGroms of the world, you're going to see those totals around seven, seven and a half. But even those games are going over because they might have a good five inning outing, maybe even hold the team to about two runs. And then these bullpens are just blowing it for them. They're either not even getting the decision as a result of it. So for me, yeah, anything pretty much around eight or less, I'm always thinking over at this stage of the season. I am right there with you. That is some great advice as Jill Gallant joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And taking a look at some of the slate for Wednesday, I wouldn't say that we necessarily have a ton of aces on the mound, but two teams that we've been talking about overs a lot so far, two teams that have been playing a lot of unders have been the San Diego Padres and the San Francisco Giants. Derek Rodriguez is going on the bump for the Giants, and the Giants, I think we can both agree, are doing the opposite of mashing at this point, but I feel like Derek Rodriguez is actually a pretty good bet on pitcher at this point. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez, historically, he's been pretty good at home. Um, uh, just I think he, he'll get rebounded because uh, he got knocked around by Tampa pretty bad uh, in his last outing. Agreed, yeah. um, so, so depending on the total, like I'm going to probably take the under almost majority of the time, especially with San Francisco, which is always usually a pitcher friendly park. Both of the bullpens have actually been pretty good this year after we just trashed basically the entire majors of having uh, shoddy relievers here. But for me right now, I've, I would probably lean to the Giants money line if I had to make a pick right now between the two, along with the under, because the Padres starter, I don't think he's going to be uh, doing that well. Nick Maragovich, I believe his right. last name is. Yes. Yes, and he converted from the bullpen to, to being a starter, and I, I generally try to fade those guys. I, like, I feel like a lot of the time, bettors will look at their stats from last year and just see the ERA and not realize that it's a lot harder to be able to convert to a full-time starter than it would be to a, a reliever. I think an under at this point would be a good bet. I think the Giants as well would be a straight-up money line bet as well. Right now, I'm seeing the total on this game ranging between 7.5 and 8 on the offshore openers. I'm going to look for an A myself, see if that takes up a little bit more, get some favorable juice there. I also think that the Brewers versus the Angels game is very interesting because one of those teams that had a great bullpen all year long, though it's a little bit banged up, is the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to be taking on the Angels. It's going to be Felix Pena versus Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff, a guy that has spent a lot of his time out there in the bullpen, but we saw him get some starts in the postseason last year, looked very solid there. We all know what the Brewers can do, and right now I'm seeing the Brewers as a very slight favorite and a total between eight and a half and nine. This is also one where I might look at an under because I know that Felix Pena of the Angels, not a very good starting pitcher, but I've actually been very surprised by how good the Angels bullpen has been and their offense just not getting much going either. Well, the Angels bullpen, they lead the majors right now uh, for ERA. They're at the bottom. They're around 1.7, 1.8. Felix Pena, so far in his two starts, he hasn't pitched past the fifth inning. So they immediately think they're going to go right to the bullpen and be able to shut them down. I still think the Brewers run line might even be the better play. Like I'm really high on the Brewers this year. I think they're the best team in the National League. Brandon Woodruff was obviously awesome in the postseason. I think he'll have a good day against the Angels because really outside of Trout, nobody really offensively scares me for the Angels. So I'm probably going to lean to Milwaukee to win that game outright. I feel like their odds aren't going to be that good just on the money line. So I have no problem taking them on the minus one and a half. I am right there with you. The Brewers have been a very profitable team. It's Jill Gallant joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now, taking a look at the slate for Wednesday, the one thing that really stands out to me, why in the world is you, Darvish, opening up as a minus 155 favorite? I'm sure you and I have both seen a couple of his starts this year. Not good. I know that he's facing Jordan Lyles of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Obviously, there's no total up on the board because of the regularly field wind and everything like that. It's very much traditional that... Regularly field totals do not get posted until the morning until you know the weather, but this just really stands out to me as being a spot where you have to take the plus price or pass. 
Well, it sounds like an overreaction because of the recent game, like when they shut them out 10 to nothing. But I mean, anybody who's watched you Darvish pitch basically since the World Series with the Dodgers, he hasn't been the same. Like, I mean, I know last year he got hurt. And but even in two starts this year, he hasn't been very good. Both of those games were on the road, maybe pitching at home, maybe able to help. And the Pirates offense really hasn't been that great this year. Same thing with Lyles about going from the bullpen to the rotation. I tend to fade guys when they go from the bullpen to the rotation. But this one is tough. Like, I, I would probably lean to Cubs run line just because of the offense. But uh, again, with Darvish, I don't feel great about it. So we'll, it'll have to be a wait and see at this point. Absolutely. We've got Joe Galant of Odd Shark joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And are there a couple other teams that you've been looking at so far this year as big money makers? Because I know that we dove into that Brewers versus Angels game. I know that you're very high on the Brewers. I personally have been riding the Detroit Tigers. They weren't able to get the job done against the Cleveland Indians on Tuesday, but they've been a good money maker for me as an underdog as well. Any other teams that have really been sending out to you? Well, for me, the team that stands out is Seattle. Yeah. Their offense has just been unreal to start the year. And I, and I, for some reason, like, I mean, they started off hot last year, but when they made that exodus of players, like when they got rid of Segura and, and Santana and then brought in Encarnacion, I just thought that their offense was going to, I thought it plateaued and I thought that they kind of stole a lot of wins last year, not really from an offensive standpoint. This year, they are just clubbing out of the ball right now. I've made a lot of money on the Mariners this season. They're the best hitting team right now. They've cashed Five times already as underdogs. They're right now, based on $100 bets, they're the most profitable team in Major League Baseball. But Kikuchi is going to be starting for the Mariners and he, in two starts so far now. One of them was obviously in Japan, but he hasn't really adjusted to Major League hitting yet as far as pitching against them. I think just because of the, the way that he's been pitching right now and how bad the Royals have been, I'd rather just take the over and hope that the Mariners just get all the runs themselves like they did against Homer Bailey. Oh, yes, and Homer Bailey. Now, 1-21 is Steve Zard, his last 22 starts. Have you ever seen a trend quite like that? Homer Bailey might be the biggest waste of money I've ever seen because the Royals in that game on Monday, up 4-2, to two, and then they wind up getting down by eight runs in, like, the seventh inning. It's absolutely incredible how he just can't get a win to save his life. It's literally the best thing about baseball gambling right now. Hands down, like right now, like we have a funny joke that goes around Ochark headquarters in our office. Like it's Homer Bailey day. Like every time he is at the start, like when he got signed by the Royals and he ended up making the roster, I think we all like popped a cork of champagne, like almost <laughs> thinking like we can't wait to be able to bet against this guy, especially on a team that doesn't really have a lot of good offense. Like he's not going to get a ton of run support. He wasn't really getting a lot with the Reds anyway. But the fact that even with his first start against the Twins, where he actually had a fairly decent game, the bullpen for KC ended up blowing it for him. They ended up losing an extra inning, seven to six. But that was a perfect Homer Bailey start the last time they played. So now every time pretty much he's going to start, we're going to be taking opposite team run line and and the over pretty much every time. And it more than likely will hit because based on his track record, it's just been so profitable, you almost can't not do it. Hey, you're talking to a man that runs a podcast that is on the exact same thing. So we are in lockstep on that one. And now, speaking of the really, really bad in Homer Bailey, is there any teams that have gotten off to a little bit of a shaky start that you think might be able to pick it up? Obviously, the Boston Red Sox have been burning money so far this year. They're off to a bad start. We just hit on the Cubs as well. Is there any teams that you think that maybe they're opening of the season was a little bit of an outlier and they're going to be able to pick things up? 
not so much. That doesn't really stand out. However, the one team that I do think that could be fade worthy over the next few weeks, and I think based on the value that there'll be lots of opportunities to be able to uh, fade them, would be the Yankees. I think they have a little too many injuries right now in their starting lineup to be able to justify like whether they're minus price tag. Right now, they're playing against Houston. So I think that the Astros money line or even run line would probably be a great bet. So I'm going to be fading the Yankees probably over the next few weeks because what's crazy about them is that even though they have like four full-time starters and Gregorius and Stanton and Hicks and Andujar, they're still like fifth in runs scored per game. But I think that they give up too many runs and I don't think their pitching is strong enough to overcome that lack of hitting in the lineup. So for me, I think I'm going to probably fade the Yankees over the next few weeks. Another team that has kind of started off slow that for me, I thought that was going to be a little bit better was the Indians. I really thought that they were going to be able to still maintain that division. But I think a lot of what's happening here is that the injury to Lindor has really put a lot of pressure on them offensively to be able to pick it up. And I feel like Kluber is still very prone to a letdown here. Like right now, I really only feel confidence in in Trevor Bauer at this stage. So I think the Indians, they should be able to get it back together once Lindor gets back in the lineup and, you know, we get to a little bit of warmer weather. But right now, the Indians would probably be, the Indians and the Red Sox are probably the two teams that have disappointed me the most. I do agree with you. The Indians are really struggling on offense. I will say, I do like Mike Clevenger, but to your point about Corey Kluber, he was actually very much an over-pitcher last year. I feel like there's this perception around ace pitchers that every one of them pitches to an under, but I feel like that's not true, and I think the case in point of it was Corey Kluber in 2018. Absolutely, yes. And part of that, too, is just as well as who they get to play, right? Like, that division was trash, like, all last year. So a lot of what would happen is he wouldn't necessarily be giving up a ton of runs, but their offense would just be smashing teams like the Tigers and Twins and Royals. So uh, when they get to play all those games, and then, of course, there was quite a few teams in the American League that weren't very good last year. So there was a lot of opportunity for headers, rather, to get that over pick. Yeah, Kluber, I'm not really sure on. Like, I thought he was going to get dealt in the offseason. I'm a little worried about kind of his performances so far to start the year. Yeah, I think the Indians will be better as we get closer to warmer weather, but right now the Indians have really struggled. Absolutely. And Jill, I would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find you on social media and elsewhere since I know that you're doing tremendous work out there with Odd Shark? Thank you, Greg. Yeah, so you can find me at Twitter at GDog5000, and that's G-D-A-W-G-5000. You can read all of our work at Odd Shark. So NBA playoffs are coming up here at the start of next week, so I'm going to be diving headfirst into that and let some of our other writers take over Major League Baseball and uh, the hockey playoffs. So you can read all of our betting previews at oddshark.com. We do all the research for you so you can get all the pertinent stats and trends to be able to make the best pick possible so you can win some cold, hard cash. Very nice. And I can tell you that if you've been following Odd Shark the past couple of years in just about any sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, what have you, you've been able to make a lot of money and Here's a little bit of a hint. We're going to have a lot of Odd Shark guys on this podcast a lot this season, and Jill is certainly going to be one of them. A big thanks to Jill Gallant for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's MLB betting board as we touch them all. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, 
as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. We are back here in the Azunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Jill Gallant of Odd Shark for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time to give you a side and total on every game on today's MLB betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that there are a couple games off the board as of right now, including the first game that we're going to be getting to due to starting pitchers not being announced until the early evening slash late afternoon, things like that. So there's going to be a reason for that. Also, because the Cubs are at home, you're going to notice on that game, I'm not going to be able to have a total available. Whenever you have a Cubs total that is at Wrigley Field, it is always based on the wind, and that is going to be posted day of. And any changes to these plays, plays that are not locked in, everything like that, all going to be refreshed on my Twitter page at Gene underscore E1. I have to throw in there that disclaimer, but now let's get started. And we start in Las Vegas betting rotation order. 9:51, 9:52. That is a game that is off the board, as it is the Braves in Colorado to face off against the Rockies. The Rockies literally just announced before I started doing this broadcast that Jeff Hoffman is going to be going for them. Meanwhile, he'll be opposed by Kevin Gosman of the Atlanta Braves. This game is off the board offshore. This game is off the board in Vegas. But right now, my guess is this total is probably going to be right around 10 or 11. I would have to probably take this one under. Jeff Hoffman has actually started some games for the Colorado Rockies. He went, if I remember correctly, 5-6 and six with a ERA near 6 in 2017 with the Rockies. Did not see much time in the majors last year. He was a highly touted prospect for a couple years. He's just never really panned out. And Kevin Gosman, though he started out the year on the injured list, looked very good in his first start of the season. This is a spot where I'm probably going to look at the Atlanta Braves run line because I'm thinking the Braves are going to be a pretty significant favorite in this game. Ronald Acuna Jr. is starting to get things going. His metrics show that he should be doing better than what he is right now. He heads into this week's action batting right around 200. Things haven't necessarily been going great for him, but he's really been making some hard contact and everything like that. I think he's going to come around. Nick Markakis has been swinging the bat pretty well. Freddie Freeman hitting nearly 400. And then for the Colorado Rockies, you've got a couple guys that are doing a good job of hitting dingers. Trevor Story entered into Tuesday's action with four home runs, but he's not necessarily hitting for average. Nolan Arenado has been doing a good job for the team, but he hasn't necessarily been the Nolan Arenado of old. He hasn't really been going yard as a matter of fact, going into Tuesday, he hadn't hit a home run at all this year. Ian Desmond just not getting it going. And then the guy that really needs to be able to pick it up for this team is Garrett Hampson. He entered into Tuesday's action hitting 0.77, just not going to get the job done. The Rockies' bats have been cold. I like Kevin Gosman in this spot. Going to be very interested to see what the total is. If it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, I'll probably take it over. If it's more like 11 plus, I might look at an under. That's one where the number really depends. So not going to be able to give you much there, but I'm certainly going to be looking at the Atlanta Braves run line in this spot. 953, 954 on the betting rotation. It is the San Diego Padres in San Francisco to face off against the Giants. Derek Rodriguez goes on the bump for the Giants. Meanwhile, for the Padres... Nick Mergavicious, as we are seeing a total on this one of 7.5, and that is shaded to the over. Over is minus 115 across the board. If you like the under, that is minus 105, and 
This is a very steady line across the board. Minus 105 for the San Diego Padres. Minus 105 for the San Francisco Giants. I'm seeing a couple spots where the Padres are a slight minus 107 favorite. Other places where they're a slight minus 103 underdog. But this is very much a pick'em line at this point. And this is one where I've got to take a look at the Giants. I do like Derek Rodriguez as a starter. I know that he got touched up in his last start. And we went in depth on this game with Jill Gallant. But... I do think that the Giants are going to be able to generate a couple runs in this game. I do think that this is a spot where neither team is really going to be getting a whole lot of runs. So this is one where I've already locked in the under. I don't think that either team really gets past three in this game. But I do like what I'm seeing all in all out of the San Diego Padres. I just think that Derek Rodriguez is the better starter in this game. And the San Diego Padres, they have some decent bats. Will Myers is hitting three home runs, hitting over 300 so far this year. Eric Hosmer, you got to think he's going to come around with bat. Manny Machado hasn't been great, but hasn't necessarily been awful. And I do like Hunter Renfro as well. But with the San Francisco Giants, I do think that they're going to be able to get to Mergavicious a little bit in this start. Brandon Belt already has three home runs so far this year. Brandon Crawford has been able to hit for a little bit of average thus far. And you got to think that the five-run performance that they put up on Monday is going to be able to help this team get righted a little bit. They were able to put up a five spot in that fourth inning. And they recently were able to make a trade as they sent Tyler, they were able to trade for Tyler Austin. You got to think that he's going to be able to give this team a little bit of help in his first game with the Giants. He was able to get a hit, so that was obviously very good to see. You got to think that Eric Kratz is going to come around with the bat whenever he's playing at the catcher spot as well. Evan Liguori is not going to hit below 200 forever. I do think that the Giants are going to be able to get the job done in this one. I don't think that we're going to see a big offensive explosion, so already locked in the under, and already locked in the Giants as a play. We move on to 955-956. It is the Miami Marlins in Cincinnati to face off against the Reds. Tyler Molly goes for the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Richards goes for the Miami Marlins. This is a total of nine, and we're seeing the nine shaded under between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is between plus 105 and minus 105. If you like the Marlins, you're going to be getting a plus price of between plus 132 and plus 138. Meanwhile, the Reds are between minus 142 and minus 150. Don't get me wrong, Trevor Richards is not a light-the-world-on-fire pitcher, but for him to be this big of an underdog seems a little bit intriguing to me. The Reds were able to get some offense yesterday, and they were able to do so a couple days ago as well against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I just wonder if they're going to be able to get three-plus runs in this game just because they've been so gosh-darn inconsistent this year. They start off the year 1-8. and eight. Joey Winkler at the top of the lineup is still batting below 100. Matt Kemp is batting below 150. Shebler at the center field spot is hitting below 200. Jose Barraza just above the Mendoza line. Dan Diedrich has gotten things figured out. He's already hit some home runs. Joey Votto is still getting on base, but he's not necessarily hitting for a high average either. Eugenio Suarez really was able to bust through yesterday as well, but I feel like the value here is on the Miami Marlins. They too, a team that's not hitting very well. Other than Sterling Castro, they're not really getting much out of anything. Heck, Lewis Brinson is right now one of their best hitters, but Jose Alfaro has been able to hit a trio of home runs so far this year. Neil Walker, Anderson, and company just not doing a good job of being able to get on base. Curtis Granderson is drawing his walks, but 
He's not hitting for a high average either. But I do like the fact that the Miami Marlins do have a pretty decent bullpen. It was taxed a little bit because Jose Urania yesterday was touched up. And the Reds have a decent bullpen as well. So this is one where I'm taking a look at the under, trying to see if I can get more favorable juice on an under nine. If not, I'll try to take maybe a plus price or even money on an eight and a half, trying to see where this thing falls. But I do feel like the value here is on the Marlins just because I don't know what you're going to get out of the Reds. Tyler Molly is an okay starter. He's not great, but at the same time, I actually like Trevor Richards a little bit more in this spot. Richards doesn't necessarily have wipeout stuff, but he's a guy that's able to get some strikeouts. He does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the ballpark, and I feel like sometimes Molly just gets roughed up for some hard contact. So for that reason, I'm going to take the plus price here with the Marlins, and I'm going to play this total under, but at the same time, I am waiting for better prices on both. Game 957-958 on the betting rotation is the Washington Nationals in Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. Jeremy Hellickson takes a bump for the Nationals. Meanwhile, Nick Bavetta goes for the Phillies. If you like the Phillies, you're going to be laying between minus 154 and minus 160. If you want to take a shot on the Nats, you're going to be getting between plus 140 and plus 150. Total on this game is 9. For the most part, this is an over-under situation of minus 110 each way, so you're not going to be really paying significant juice either way. And in this spot, I do have to take a look at the Phillies, and I wound up taking the Phillies on the run line. Their run line price I'm right now seeing is between plus 135 and plus 140. I already locked in plus 140 for the run line. This is a spot where I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get to Jeremy Hellickson. Whoever sets going to the Nationals has actually been a very decent pitcher. He's been able to do a good job of not giving up a ton of runs. I know they got a little bit roughed up in his first start of the year, but last year he was actually a very decent pitcher for the Nationals. But with that said, this Nationals bullpen, for one, is not good. And I do think that there's a little bit of upside with Nick Pavetta. He's been a little bit of a head-scratching starter so far in his career. There are some stretches where he looks absolutely sensational. There are other starts where he just doesn't look good, and it's because he's a high-strikeout guy. Last year in 164 innings, he had 188 strikeouts, but he does sometimes walk a couple too many guys, and he lends himself to contact. I will say that so far this year, he's been doing a little bit of a better job of being able to Keep the walks to a minimum. In 9.2 innings, he's only issued two free passes. He hasn't necessarily had that plus stuff, though, and he lends himself to a little bit of contact. I think he'll be able to get that righted. Anthony Rendon has been doing a great job of being able to rake for the Nationals. He's hitting nearly 400. Entered into Tuesday's action with four home runs and nine RBI. You got like that. Juan Soto, you got to think, is going to provide some more hard contact as well. So far this year, he hasn't been hitting the ball in the ballpark the way you'd expect, but with this Phillies lineup. My goodness, they are just on a tear. Bryce Harper was able to hit his fourth home run of the year on Tuesday. Mikel Franco hit his fourth home run of the year on Tuesday as well. Both those came off of Steven Strasburg. Reese Hoskins on Monday hit home runs in the sixth and eighth innings. He's been hitting nearly 350 so far this year. Gene Segura is hitting over 300. JT Riamuto hasn't really gotten it going, but you got to think that the wheels are turning for him. Mikel Franco, by the way, probably the best eighth hitter out there in the big leagues. Andrew McCutcheon hasn't necessarily been doing a great job of hitting for average, but he's doing a great job of being able to draw his walks. This is a Phillies team that in general just has so many weapons they can emerge for a 4-5 to five run ending at just about any time. I am all about the Phillies run line here. I am actually looking at this total under. I'm trying to see if this creeps up a little bit more because I do think that we're going to get a good start out of Nick Pavetta. I do think that Jeremy Hellickson is going to be able to give the Nationals a couple solid innings. I think that he's going to be able to give them a quality 5-6 to six inning start. He gives up 2-3 or three runs and then and the bullpen just really blows it from there. So for that reason, I am on the Phillies run line. Already locked that one in. And I am taking a look at this total 
under. 9.59, 9.60 on the betting rotation. It is the LA Dodgers in St. Louis face off against the Cardinals. Jack Flaherty goes for the Cardinals. Kenta Maeda for the LA Dodgers. Drawing this one is 8 shaded to the over. Over is minus 115, under is minus 105. That is pretty stagnant across the board. And this is a little bit of a pick'em line right now. In some spots, we're seeing it as tightly knit as both teams being minus 105 each way. If you like the Dodgers, you're able to get plus 100 in some spots. You're seeing other spots where they're more like minus 103 and whatnot. And if you like the St. Louis Cardinals, the best you can get is minus 105. Otherwise, you're going to be between minus 107 and minus 110. So very much a pick'em game right here. And I'm going to take a look at the LA Dodgers. Jack Flaherty is a starter that I think has some upside, but he just hasn't really pitched well to begin the year so far. And Kenta Maeda has actually looked quite decent as a starter so far this year. The LA Dodgers doesn't necessarily lend itself to having a great bullpen. you got guys like Yimi Garcia and company that have been gas canning games, but I do like guys like Caleb Ferguson as well. It's one of those things with the Dodgers where they've got some good relievers and they've got some not so good relievers. And I feel like it's the same way for the St. Louis Cardinals. Their bullpen has been a little bit shaky at times, but they do have some good arms as well. But with the LA Dodgers, I just think that Right now, you've got the best lineup out there in the bigs, and you've got the hottest batter out there in the bigs. Cody Bellinger, heading into Tuesday's action, had seven home runs, 19 RBI, was batting over 400. He has been absolutely sensational. Justin Turner is towards the top of the lineup. He's doing a great job. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got a bunch of bats that have been a little bit cold to begin the year. Matt Carpenter at the top of the lineup, hitting just above 200. Paul Goldschmidt, even though he has five home runs and nine RBIs entering into Tuesday, was hitting below 200. Yadier Molina hitting below 200. Same with Dexter Fowler. Colt Wong has been doing a great job, but Harrison Bader seems to be coming back to earth a little bit, and they need to get Marcelo Zuna going as well. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, you got guys like A.J. Pollock, Max Muncy, Kike Hernandez, Austin Barnes. They've all really found themselves. Jack Peterson at the top of the lineup has been cold and legitimately did not have a good spring training. But I just think with the Dodgers, you've got so many more good bats that you're able to rely upon. So for that reason, I do think that the Giants are going to be able to get to Flaherty. And I do think that they're going to get to a bullpen that for the St. Louis Cardinals hasn't necessarily been great. I was already able to lock in the Dodgers at that plus 100 price. I'm right now in wait and see mode on the over, trying to see if this sticks on to more around minus 110 or minus 105 juice, but I'm going to be on the over along with my locked-in play of the Dodgers in this spot. Game 961-962 on the betting rotation. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates in Chicago to face off against the Cubbies. You! No, not you, the person listening to this podcast, but rather you, Darvish, goes on the mound for the Cubs. Meanwhile, Jordan Lyles goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Currently, no total on this game because of it being Wrigley Field, but currently I'm seeing prices between minus 152 and minus 157 on the Cubs. If you want to take a shot on the Pirates, you are going to be getting between plus 140 and plus 147, and I am going to take a shot on the Pirates. I know that Joe Gallant talked about Jordan Lyles being a little bit of a bullpen guy, but this is a gentleman that does have some starting experience throughout his career. It's not like He's a guy that has only been a bullpen guy his entire career because I'm right there with Jill. Whenever you've got a guy that is a converted reliever to a starter, you want to fade him, but Thornton Lyles has started quite a few games throughout his career with multiple teams, especially the Padres last year. So I do have some confidence here with the Pirates. I'm gonna lo- I have already locked in this plus 147 price. I am all about the Pittsburgh Pirates in this spot. Hugh Darvish is just a guy that I have to fade. I'm very curious to see how the total 
plays out in this one because even if it's a lower total because the wind is blowing in, I'm going to look at this total over just because you Darvish in general, for one, he's giving out a lot of free passes. He has no command whatsoever. It doesn't matter what the wind is. If you're giving out free passes, it's going to lend itself to runs. And for two, the Pirates are not going to have four errors like they did on Monday against the Cubs. That was just absolutely insane. And then you had Jamison Tyon getting hit in the head. That was not very good. I know that the Pirates are not a team that's necessarily mashing right now. Josh Bell has been able to give this team a couple home runs. I like the way that he's hitting in the middle of the lineup. Corey Dickerson has been dealing with some injuries, so that's something that you want to note with the Pirates. But with the Cubs, you've got a team that has a lot of guys that are able to hit quite well. I do think that Jordan Lyles is going to be able to get touched up in this one. But I will say, for the Pirates, you do have some good long relievers. Nick Kingham, we've already seen have some starts. He's been decent out of the bullpen. Richard Rodriguez hasn't necessarily been, I would call him, a lockdown closer. But I do think that he's a guy with some upside as well. For the Cubs, they've got a very good lineup themselves. Javi Baez enters into this game with four home run, nine RBI so far this year. Ben Zobras is hitting over 350. We all know what Anthony Rizzo can do. Kyle Schwarber has been hitting over 300 so far this year. I like what he's able to provide. And then you've got so many other guys like Wilson Contreras, Daniel Tescalso, Jason Hayward and company. But I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to get the win in this one. I think that their bats wake up. If you get anywhere near a reasonable total, I'm going to be taking this one over just because it is you, Darvish. And we know that with the Cubs... Their bullpen is just absolutely awful right now. It doesn't matter who they bring in, whether it's Steve Ciszek or if it's a guy like Pedro Strope or Rosario, Brandon Kinsler. None of these guys are holding down anything. So for that reason, I am going to be on the Pirates taking that plus price. And when the total comes out, I'm most likely going to be on the over. That's one that you want to check back on my Twitter plays at union underscore 814 in the morning. But with that said, certainly leaning towards the over if it's anything reasonable. And I've already locked in the Pirates. 963, 964 on the betting rotation. It is the Cleveland Indians in Detroit to face off against the Tigers. Matthew Boyd goes for the Tigers. Trevor Bauer for the Cleveland Indians. If you like the Indians, you're going to be laying between minus 140 and minus 145. If you want to take a shot on the Tigers, you're going to be getting between plus 135 and plus 130. Total on this game is 7.5. In some spots, it is minus 110 on both the over and the under. Other spots, the under is minus 115 and the over is plus 105. This is a spot where I am going to be taking a look at the Indians run line. I do like the way that Matthew Boyd has pitched to begin the year. He's a guy with some very good wipeout stuff. He's been able to generate a lot of strikeouts. I remember in his last start with the against the Yankees, he was able to get a double-digit amount of strikeouts. I believe that he has 22 in his first two starts of the year. But I do think that Trevor Bauer is going to be able to have a lights-out performance in this one. And I do think that with the Indians, their bats are starting to come around. They are without Francisco Lindor for quite a while. But on Tuesday, they were able to hang an eight spot on the Detroit Tigers. The guy that was really able to get it going was Leonis Martin. He had his first home run of the year. He's been struggling. He's been hitting 167 for the year. Jose Ramirez at the top of the lineup hitting 171. Jake Bauer's only hitting 200 as well. And then you've got Greg Allen, who's hitting 0.50 for the year. But something that you found with this team is Hanley Ramirez at the DH spot has been able to deliver a little bit of power. Tyler Naquin is hitting over 300. I like what he's providing to this team. And you know what? It just feels like this team is starting to right the ship because they were also able to get a very nice, almost unexpected surprise when Roberto Perez was able to hit home run 
was able to hit a home run yesterday. He's only hitting 0.95, but he seems to be coming around for this team. And for the Detroit Tigers, I feel like their bats are starting to wake up as well. Miguel Cabrera was able to get two hits yesterday. Nick Castellanos is hitting just below 300 for the year. Nico Goodrum has been having doubles power so far this year. He's had a bunch of power with regards to being able to get on base and being able to get multiple bases. He just hasn't necessarily won yard. Perhaps that changes against the Indians. I do think that you're going to get a very good start out of Trevor Bauer. I think that he goes seven or eight strong innings. I think he gives up one run. But I do think that there's still a lot of questions with the Indians' bullpen as well, which is why I'm going to be playing this total over, and I already locked in the over of 7.5 at even juice. But I'm going to be on the Indians' run line. Currently, I'm seeing that at plus 110, but I'm noticing a little bit of money coming out on the Tigers. So I'm right now in wait-and-see mode, trying to see if I can get plus 115 or plus 120, as I think the Indians' bats have finally woken up. 965. 966 on the betting rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays are in Chicago to face off against the White Sox. On the bump for the Rays is going to be Tyler Glasnow. Meanwhile, the Chicago White Sox trot out there. Rinaldo Lopez. The total on this one I am seeing across the board is 8. The over is shaded, though. The over is between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is between even money and minus 105. If you like the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be laying between minus 144 and minus 150. If you want to take a shot on the White Sox, that is between plus 134 and plus 136 across the board. Ronaldo Lopez is a guy that for the Chicago White Sox just has not really put it together so far. He's got an ERA of 10 so far this year. And last year, he actually had an ERA below 4. His problem is he's not necessarily a great strikeout pitcher. In 188.5 innings, he had only 151 strikeouts. He does a good job of being able to limit contact, but he also gives out a lot of free passes. As last year, he also issued 75 walks, and we've noticed that is a little bit of an issue for him this year as well, which is why we've seen his ERA ballooning. He's already got eight walks in nine innings. That's just not going to cut it. He's been hit a little bit more, which is why he is seeing that ERA skyrocketing. And the Tampa Bay Rays were able to just completely dismantle the yesterday as they were able to get a win in that one by a count of 10 to 5. The Rays bullpen looked a little bit shaky, but all in all for the year, it's one of those bullpens I certainly want to put my chips in the middle with. And Austin Meadows at the top of the lineup for the Rays has been sensational so far this year. Hitting 308, 3 home runs, 10 RBI. G-Man Choi, whenever he's been in the lineup, he's been a little bit more of a platoon guy. I really like what he's able to bring to the table. And the White Sox do have some good hitters themselves. Yohan Moncada is hitting over 300. He's been doing a good job of being able to provide some power. The guy that I really like out there in the middle of the lineup is Tim Anderson, hitting 550 which is absolutely sensational. He leads the league in that regard. You've also got Garcia at the top of the lineup. He's hitting 333, but it's very feast or famine with the White Sox. Daniel Polka still looking for his first hit of the year. We've seen Eloy Jimenez start to pick it up. He's now hitting 282. That's obviously a good sign. But you take a look at what they're getting out of guys like Adam Engel. He's hitting below 150 right now. Yomer Sanchez has, I believe, only one hit so far this year. He's hitting .074. It's just one of those things where they're feasting famine. And Jose Abreu in a little bit of a slump himself. Meanwhile, Tommy Pham has been doing a better job at the top of the lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Yandy Diaz has been able to provide some home runs. And Kevin Kiermeyer hitting much better this year than he did last year. 
Adamas at the bottom of the lineup for the Rays isn't providing much, but there's a reason why he's the number nine hitter. I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to be able to get another win in this spot. IRA locked in the Tampa Bay Rays as a play. It's one of those where I might look at the run line as well, but I think that I'm going to go just money line, just keep it a little bit safe because I do think this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game as I am looking at this total under. Currently in wait and see mode on the under, trying to see if I can get normal juice on an eight and a half to see if this ticks up because as we know, the White Sox bullpen has been very atrocious, so perhaps I'm going to be able to get a little bit of a better price, but certainly on the raise in this spot, and I'm going to try to see what sort of a number I can get on the under. 967, 968 on the betting rotation. It is the Oakland A's facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Frankie Montas goes for the Oakland A's for the Baltimore Orioles. Good old undecided. I was checking Twitter to see if there was any angling in regards to the starter for the Baltimore Orioles in this game. As of right now, there's absolutely nothing because the projected starter was supposed to be Alex Cobb. He is now on the injured list for the Baltimore Orioles. So you got to think that they're probably going to go with some form of a opener, maybe Jacob Yacobonis. He either starts a game or he comes in in like the third inning, something along those lines. Maybe they go with Nate Carnes. It's one of those things where either way, the A's are going to be a heavy favorite, and I'm probably going to take them on the run line once again. We saw them on Tuesday be able to rub for five runs on the Baltimore Orioles, and four of those were unearned. This defense sucks. The Orioles' bullpen sucks. Their starting pitching sucks. This is one of those spots where it's just A's run line all day long. If they set the total at anywhere near like 9, 9.5, I'm also going to look at the over because Montas is a decent pitcher, but I think he's going to lend himself to giving up a couple runs. The Orioles actually do have a couple bats that are able to hit. Trey Boom Boom Mancini has been good for this team. Rio Ruiz has been able to give this team a couple runs as well. Even Jesus Sucre, he's been struggling with regards to his average, but he's got a little bit of pop in his bat. And Camden Yards, very much a hitter-friendly ballpark. So I'm going to be looking at the over and the A's run line, but not able to give you any official plays until we know exactly who's starting for the Orioles and we get a lineup. So check back on my Twitter page at unit underscore 81 in the morning for that. 969, 970 on the betting rotation. The Houston Astros play host to the New York Yankees. James Paxson goes for the Yankees. Colin McHugh is on the bump for the Astros. If you like the Astros, you're going to be laying between minus 132 and minus 141. Yankees are getting a pretty big plus price, plus 122 in some spots, seeing as high as plus 131. Troll in this game is eight shaded to the under. The under is between minus 110 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you like the over, you're going to be getting between even juice and minus 110. This is a spot where you got to take plus money with the Yankees. The Yankees have actually done a pretty decent job despite all the injuries. We all know that Miguel Andujar is hurt. D.D. Gregorius is going to be out for quite a while. John Carlos Stanton is injured. I mean, the list goes on and on. Troy Tulowitzki, once again, hurt. I mean, that's absolutely no surprise whatsoever, but man. The fact that they've been able to do all that they've been able to with this banged-up lineup really speaks to the depth of the New York Yankees. You've got Aaron Judge, who's still doing a great job in the middle of the lineup. Luke Voigt was able to hit his third home run of the year yesterday against the 
Houston Astros, you've got Gary Sanchez, who already has six stingers, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayu, Clint Frazier, all very good bats are hitting above 300. In the case of LeMayu and Clint Frazier, more around 400. Heck, even Austin Romine at the catcher spots have been doing good. And then you take a look at the Houston Astros. You've got a team that's starting to hit a little bit better. Michael Brantley was off to a little bit of a rough start for the season, but he's been able to right the ship. George Springer at the top of the lineup has been doing a nice job of being able to get on base. Alex Bregman was able to shake off the woes of early on in the years. I do think that this is a Houston Astros team that is starting to come around. I'm going to be on this total over. Likely going to lock in the even juice of over eight, but I'm going to wait and see what's out there a little bit longer, see if I can maybe get a little bit of a seven and a half because I'm noticing this ticking under a little bit more, but with that said, already locked in the Yankees at plus 131. I just feel like there's very good value with a very good pitcher in James Paxson going up against Colin McHugh that, let's face it, he was a guy that was coming out of the bullpen a lot last year. James Paxson, one of the best starters out there in the big leagues. I feel like James Paxson might be one of the most underrated starters out there. I know that he hasn't necessarily been terrific so far this year, but I still have some faith in the big lefty. And then for Colin McHugh, through two starts so far this year, he's actually done a pretty decent job. He's been doing a good job of being able to limit the contact that he's giving up. Opponents are hitting just a buck 54 off of him, but he does already have four walks and 11 innings. That is a little bit of a concern. He did a very good job being able to come out of the bullpen last year. And then the year before as a starter, he did go five and two, but that was in a very limited sample size. And he's always had a little bit of an issue with walks as well. And throughout his career, he's been dinged up a little bit more than he has this year. So I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get to him. I think they're going to get to an Astros bullpen that Let's face it, it's just not great with guys like Josh James and Hector Rondon that are guys I just have my questions with. They've been decent to be able to start out the year, but I think that the Yankees are going to be able to get to that pen, and I think that they're going to be able to get to McHugh. So waiting on the juice on the over, but I've already locked in the New York Yankees as a play. We move on to 971, 972 on the bang rotation. It is the Seattle Mariners in town to face off against the Kansas City Royals. Currently, this game is off the board because the Royals had not announced a starter until very, very late. From what I'm hearing, they're going to have something by the name of Heath Thilmeyer taking the mound for the Kansas City Royals. He was able to give this team a couple starts last year. Was a little bit better towards the end of the year, but certainly not a guy I would want to put my chips in the middle with. Meanwhile, for the Mariners, we do know that it's going to be Yusei Kikuchi going for the Seattle Mariners because the game is off the board. I do not have total. I do not have lines for you guys, but with that said, with the way that the Mariners are swinging the bats right now, you got to take the Seattle Mariners on the run line. The Kansas City Royals have some struggling bats like Lucas Duda. Ryan O'Hearn is able to give them a little bit of pop in the middle of the lineup, but you don't know what you're going to be able to get from him game to game. Hunter Dozier has been just absolutely awful towards the bottom of the lineup. And then you do have a couple guys like Mondesi and Whit Merrifield that are at the top of the lineup. They're able to get on base, but Jorge Soler has not been hitting for contact and has not been able to draw his walks recently as well. You've got Owings at the second base spot. He is not a good hitter. We know that Billy Hamilton and Martin Maldonado throughout their careers have not necessarily been guys that have hit for great average either. And then with the Seattle Mariners, can you really fade them at this point? Edwin Encarnacion, Daniel Vogelbach, Ryan Healy, Malik Smith, Domingo Santana, Jay Bruce. Other than Malik Smith, all these guys are hitting for great power, and Malik Smith is doing a good job of being able to get on base despite the fact that he doesn't have a great average. you got D. Gordon, who's doing a nice job of being able to get on base right now. He is right around a 300 hitter for the year. He's been doing a great job in that regard. And Kikuchi right now got a 4 ERA. I feel like the jury's still out on him a little bit. I think that he's going to be able to give the Mariners a quality start. He probably gives up like 
two, maybe three runs, and the Mariners' bullpen isn't necessarily great. The defense isn't necessarily great, but I think that they're just going to outscore the Royals in this one. I'm going to be looking at Mariners' run line and the over as long as the total is set somewhere in the neighborhood of like nine. If you're getting a double-digit total, then maybe I would look a little bit differently, but certainly my early angle on this game is going to be the Mariners run line and the over. That's my thoughts on that one. Check back on my Twitter page at unit underscore 81 once a line is posted for plays there. 973-974 on the betting rotation. It is the Minnesota Twins in New York to face off against the Mets. Noah Thor Syndergaard goes for the New York Mets. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Minnesota Twins. Tolling this one I am seeing is 7 and the under shaded heavily. If you like the under, you're going to be getting between minus 115 and minus 125 juice. The over is between minus one and plus 105 in some spots and the Mets are a very heavy favorite between a minus 210 and minus 220 favorite which means if you want to take a shot on the Twins you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 185 and even $2 in some spots and you know what I'm going to take my shot here with the Minnesota Twins Noah Syndergaard is a good pitcher but he sometimes has a little bit of an issue with giving up the long ball I do notice that with Syndergaard he's a very good pitcher and Jake Odorizzi has actually had some pretty good starts for the Minnesota Twins over his time he is a very inconsistent pitcher. He's not a guy that you want to be betting on for long periods of time, but I do think that as long as he can keep the walks down, this is a spot where you can actually back him. So far this year, he has a 6.75 ERA. That's not necessarily a redeeming quality, but he has been able to get 12 strikeouts in 6.2 innings. So he does have some good plus stuff. He does a good job of being able to limit contact. His big issue has been walks. He's already got five walks so far this year, and that was the issue for him last year. In 164.1 innings, he issued 73 passes at 162 strikeouts, but he was able to limit the batting average of 242. So he did a good job in that respect. And for Noah Syndergaard, even if he does give the Mets a quality start, the Twins are still going to be able to have a chance to be able to claw back into this game because the Mets bullpen, other than Edwin Diaz, just something that really doesn't impress me. Robbie Gazelman and company just not doing the best job of being able to give this team some relief. I just have so many questions with this Mets bullpen. And for the Twins, they actually have a decent bullpen. It's not one that I would necessarily be wanting to stick all my chips in the middle with. It's not like I want to be betting over a long period of time on guys like Alberto Mejia and company to be able to get the job done out there in the bullpen for the Twins. But you know what? They actually do have some decent arms that are able to give this team a good inning or two. So for that reason, I am taking a look at the massive plus price here with the Minnesota Twins. I'm trying to see how high this line gets because we saw them get over $2 on Tuesday. I think that we're going to get over $2 in this spot here. But I have already locked in the over at plus 105 juice because I do think that both these teams are going to be able to score. And with the Mets, we heard Jill Gallant be able to talk about it. Their whole lineup is right now doing a great job of being able to hit. You got to think that Robinson Cano is going to be able to come around. Brandon Nimmo towards the top of the lineup as McGray. Pete Alonzo is raking as well. And even guys like Rosario are doing a better job than they did last year out there in the lineup. And then for the Minnesota Twins, you've got a couple guys that are starting to come around. Max Kepler has been able to hit some home runs for this team. I like what he's showing. They signed Nelson Cruz in the offseason. you got to think that he's going to be able to supply some power at some point. And then you've got guys like Jorge Polanco, Eddie Rosario, Marwin Gonzalez. I think that they're going to all start to get going. And Polanco has already gotten going as he's hitting right around 400. And Byron Buxton, also a decent hitter as well. For that reason, I am on the over in this spot. And I'm right now in wait and see mode to see what sort of number I can get with the Minnesota Twins. 
We move on to 975-976 on the bag rotation. The Texas Rangers are in Arizona to face off against the Diamondbacks. Robbie Ray goes for the Diamondbacks. Lance Lynn for the Texas Rangers. Total in this game is 8.5. The shading on this game is interesting as the under is between minus 105 and minus 115 juice. And the over is the same between minus 105 and minus 115 depending on where you look. The Texas Rangers are the underdog in the spot. You're able to get between plus 130 and plus 135 with them. Meanwhile, if you like the Diamondbacks, you're going to be laying between minus 140 and minus 145. Robbie Ray is not necessarily a guy that impresses me. And Lance Lynn, we've seen get roughed up throughout the past couple years with him. It doesn't matter whether he's in Minnesota, New York, now with the Texas Rangers. Not necessarily a guy that I want to be backing in the first five or anything like that. But the Texas Rangers bullpen has actually been quite decent so far this year. I do think that... They have an up-and-coming reliever in Jose LeClerc. He does a good job of being able to close out games for this team. I do think that Jesse Chavez is really going to be able to get things going as well. He hasn't necessarily had the best start to the year, but someone that's able to give this team multiple innings and has done a very good job in doing so is Jeffrey Springs. He's pitching right now with a 129 ERA. And then they also have another reliever in Sean Kelly that has an ERA of sub-2 as well. So I actually do like what... The Texas Rangers are able to bring out their bullpen, and I like it a little bit more than the Arizona Diamondbacks. With the Diamondbacks, Archie Bradley has had a very good start to the year. His curveball looks tighter than it has in the past, but with Robbie Ray, he is very much a pitcher that he'll give you some very, very good outings, and then he'll have some very bad outings. In his last start, he gave up five walks, and that's always been the big issue with Robbie Ray. Last year, in 24 starts, in 123 and two-thirds innings, he had 70 walks, and he only allowed batters to hit 216 off of him. He does a very good job of not letting himself get hit. He had 165 strikeouts in those 123 and two-thirds innings, but he just gives away way too many free passes, which is going to help a Texas Rangers team that has a lot of guys that are a little bit more feast or famine. We all know about Joey Gallo. He had nearly as many singles as home runs each of the past two years. Elvis Andrews is able to get on base, though. Sin Chu Chu is a guy that's going to take his bases. Rudinette Odor hasn't necessarily gotten on track, but you got to think that at some point he's going to start to be able to hit for this team, and I do like what Ezrubel Cabrera is providing for the Texas Rangers as well. And then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, Dean Peralta's hitting over 400. Adam Jones, ever since coming over from Baltimore, has been sensational. He entered into Tuesday's action with four home runs and six RBIs. He's been sensational. You've got at the first base spot a little bit of an unfound gem that has really been able to emerge for this team in Christian Walker. He entered into Tuesday hitting just below 300 with three home run and six RBIs. Ketel Marte doing a nice job. Noah Mod hitting over 300 as well. Gerard Dyson at the top of the lineup doing a good job of being able to get on base as well. So both these teams have some very capable hitters. So for that reason, I am going to be taking this total over and I already locked in the over with regards to that juice. I'm right now waiting to see mode on the Texas Rangers trying to see if I'm able to get a little bit more of a plus 140 price because I do think that we're going to see the wild Robbie Ray in this one that gives up a lot of walks. I do think that the Texas Rangers do have the better bullpen in this spot, which is why I'm going to take a shot here with the plus price. Just waiting to see what number I get, but I've already locked in this total over. And we move on to the final game on the betting board, 977-978. It is the Milwaukee Brewers taking on the Los Angeles Angels out there on the West Coast. Felix Pena goes for the Angels. Brandon Woodruff 
for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you like the Brewers, this number is climbing upwards. They are between a minus 120, minus 125 favorite. If you want to take a shot on the Angels, you're going to be getting between plus 110 and plus 115. The total is pretty stagnant across the board. 8.5 is the number. The over is minus 120. The under is even. And I'm going to take a shot here on the under. We heard that from Jill Gallant in the last segment. The Angels actually have the best bullpen ERA out there in the majors. Felix Pena, not a good starter. Not a good starter at all. He's a guy that I don't want to stick my chips in the middle with, which is why I already locked in the Brewers. I was able to get a little bit of a better price. Towards the early part of the day, the Brewers were more around minus 110. I already locked that thing in. I still certainly advise to play at minus 120. We heard Jill. He actually might like the Brewers on the run line. And with the Brewers, you've got a, an outfield that is just raking right now. Christian Yelich entered into Tuesday's action with 5 home run, 13 RBI. Ryan Braun doing a sensational job. Lorenzo Kane hitting over 300. They do have a couple sleepy bats as well, though. Mike Moustakis was able to get on track with a home run a couple days ago, but he's been hitting below 200. Jesus Aguiar just has not gotten on track for this team. He entered into Tuesday hitting just a buck 29. Yasmani Grandal, though, he's hitting right around 300. Eric Thames has been able to provide a little bit of power. Travis Shaw has been a little bit of a sleepy bat as well. And for the LA Angels, you got a bunch of guys that are not doing a great job of being able to hit. Justin Bohr, Andrelton Simmons, Zach Kozart, Tommy LaSella, and Peter Borges. All hitting below 190 so far this year. Daniel Fletcher hitting more in the neighborhood of 300, and we all know what Mike Trout can do. But Albert Pujols has been off to a little bit of a slow start this year. So for that reason, I do have to look at the total under. Brandon Woodruff has actually been a solid starter whenever he's gotten starts. He was more of a bullpen guy throughout the early part of his career. He's been converted to a starter. And I have my faith in Woodruff being able to give this team a quality start. And though the Brewers' bullpen is a little bit banged up, they still do have a bunch of guys that they're able to bring out there. And with Josh Hader last pitching on Sunday, unless he comes out of the bullpen because I am doing this Tuesday evening. I have yet to see the end part of the Brewers versus Angels game, but I'm assuming that he's not going to be pitching on Tuesday. You got to think that he's going to be available for this game as well for a multi-inning save if needed for the Brewers as well. So for that reason, I'm going to be riding with the Brewers here and I am taking this total under. Both of these plays are locked in and that will do it for a Wednesday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Jill Gallant of Odd Shark for joining me in the last segment. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast you can subscribe on apple itunes google play spotify stitcher and tune in if you ever have a question for the podcast feel free to tweet it in at gunit underscore 81 and let's make today a successful profitable and fun day of baseball betting and i will talk at you guys once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in